Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Cinema Nerd Presents, the filmography of Hoyta von Hoytema. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm here with my good buddy, James, and this week we're going to talk about Spectre. James, what is Spectre? Yeah, right. So it's the, um, uh, the last Bond film I ever saw. I think it's the last one that's come out, right? I think it's the most recent one, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, mate, it is spectacular at times and um but uh i think it needed an edit for me <laughs> but but you know some of those moments are, are brilliant um and some of them aren't but yeah it's good. some of them are and some yeah. of them are yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get into some of those moments uh here in a little bit have you seen anything else that you want to talk about what you've been watching fella yeah, we'll have a look. You tell me what you've been working with. Okay. Yeah, I got a couple I can throw out there. Um, one of the podcasts that I really enjoy a lot is called F This Movie, and the editor-in-chief had a birthday recently, so he celebrated with a Twitter film fest. And oh, yeah. uh, I'll talk about a couple of the movies he programmed, because one of them, I had never, have you ever seen Looney Tunes back in action? No. <laughs> it's from 2003, it stars Brendan Fraser and Jenna Elfman is in the female lead, but yeah. Joan Cusack also shows up for a large portion of the movie. And it's a Joe Dante movie. I've never heard of this film. I, is this like Space Jam kind of feeling? It's, like, yeah, it's like if Space Jam was a good movie, you know, this thing rules. It's really a solid film. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, I never, that's good. I, I was really impressed. I was super, super surprised. There's a sequence where, you know, Bugs and Daffy, right off the bat, Bugs and Daffy end up on the same team for a lot of the movie. So that yeah. dynamic is really, really fun because they're, you know, the odd ends that are forced to work together. And I don't think I've seen that in any Looney Tunes cartoon, at least not for, you know, they last, what, two or three minutes, but for 90 minutes, you got to watch Bugs and Daffy figure out how to work together. And I just thought that was a really interesting dynamic. Oh, that's cool. There's this huge sequence where they go through an art museum and the animation style of the Looney Tunes changes based on the artworks that they are in. So yep. they become Starry Night. They become, um, oh, what's the... The woman with parasol, you know, the point to uh, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, anyway, so there's a lot of that stuff. And I, I was really impressed by the animation and the artwork, but I had to draw back and give Joe Dante some credit because I, I think the argument that he's making is that animation belongs in the pantheon of art history. And for some reason, it's considered separate from that. But the principles of classic animation are so informative. You know, the stuff that like Chuck Jones and um, those guys built way back in the day mm. still influenced the way that we perceive motion. You know, they really understood the human psyche in a way that gets sort of relegated to pop culture. And I don't think that's, it's understandable, but it's not super fair. And just kudos to Joe Dante for making the argument in this incredibly entertaining movie. It's so, so much fun. Yeah. Um, so that's Looney Tunes back in action. I got, what else did I see? Oh, you know what? The other one um, from that uh, movie fest was I rewatched Pirates of the Caribbean 
The Curse of the Black Pearl, the first one. The first one. The very first one. Ah, I thoroughly enjoyed that when it came out. I um, thoroughly enjoyed it when it came out, and I thoroughly enjoyed it on this rewatch. It's brilliant. like a whole... The point that I want to make about Gore Verbinski is that he makes like movie-ass movies. For better or worse, he is just really into the craft of cinema. And I caught up with Lone Ranger a couple of months ago. Have you ever seen that one? No, but uh, it, it, it came out after I kind of fell off the wagon with Johnny Depp doing the same effeminate uh, Mick Jagger yeah. character. Every You know, like that character in every film, that film came out and he looked like he was doing the same thing, but this time in kind of painted face. And I was like, I just don't need to see this one. <laughs> but yeah. was it okay? Or I liked it. I think it's sneaky yeah. good. And it's... Uh, I think everybody had the same reaction where it's like, all right, we don't need to pee, see Johnny Depp in face paint again. That's that's plenty, thank you. And that stuff is probably the softest aspect of the movie, but it's not as yeah. bad as you think it is because he is actually doing a different character. So that's something at least. Yeah. But uh, again, that movie is really interested in big, grandiose storytelling. And cool. So is Pirates of the Caribbean. And when he's working on that scale, man, that stuff is, he, yep. he's a good filmmaker, real solid blockbuster filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what I remember. I remember like, <laughs> like the Black Pearl being just a swashbuckling fun, you know, like you're just actually just along for the ride doing yeah. piratey things. You know I mean? Like you weren't sure where it was going because it's all based on like, two-minute ride at Disneyland but <laughs> they did quite well you know it feels like a ride you know in the best way that cinema can feel like a roller coaster where you're just like strap in buddy let the colors come at me yeah it really it has that going for it um okay how about this I got two more recent things I'll talk about <laughs> nice yeah I uh, caught up with uh Greyhound the Greyhound the Tom Hanks uh movie from it debuted on Apple TV so I don't think anybody has seen this thing. I have not seen it, no. It's what, good. I haven't even heard of it. What is it? It's called, I think it's it's either The Greyhound or Greyhound. And it's about a World War II flotilla of boats that have to get from America to England and cross a patch of the Atlantic that is unguarded by air support because planes can't you know, fly out that far without running out of fuel and crashing into the ocean. So there's this stretch of, of sea where they have to do it by themselves. And it's about this one boat, the Greyhound, that is taking on German U-boats and trying to guard the armada across the ocean. And it's good, you know? It just is everything you'd expect it to be from Tom Hanks captaining a vessel, you know? Yeah. He's the best at it. Yeah. But where it really sings for me is the... Okay, so you know you've seen a ton of movies where the captain's like, hard right, Mr. Whatever, starboard to bow, you know, and then they everybody on deck does a bunch of frantic stuff, and we know that the ship turns, but it's hard to photograph that, and yeah. this thing is like screaming, so the torpedoes are coming at them, and they have to turn, and when they turn that fast with this much power behind them, this boat that is the size of a, a skyscraper 
is like, I don't know, twisting over like, you know, when you've been on a motor of like a, a speedboat yeah. with your buddies and you take the corner really hard and you're like, oh, I'm really close to the water. Yeah. It's like that, but with a, a battleship. It's crazy how fast this giant thing moves and the scale of the battle. I don't think I've, I, I've never seen it visualized like that, you know? So I, I thought it was a, a success. I liked it a lot. Oh, that's cool. I, I mean, I haven't even heard of the film, so I might have a look. I don't do the Apple Plus, unfortunately, but uh, I look around, see how it works. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope know. they figure something out in terms of, I don't know, distribution or getting yeah. that content out because Ted Lasso is Apple TV also. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big part of why people just don't know it exists, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, none of those services are planning to do any kind of on selling, are they? They just want to keep it in house only. Yeah, that's the goal, right? Yeah, it sucks because I'll, I'll, I'll come and visit and watch and, and binge watch <laughs> Ted Lasso for your fourth time. And yeah. um, <laughs> be how many times? Yeah. Uh, uh, so I watched uh, like an art, art, artsy film. Um, I remembered um, it's. Uh, Denmark. It's from Denmark and it's called Babette's Feast. We just grabbed a copy of that actually. How was it? <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. It's a very different film. Like I'm 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 watching it like, oh, is this gonna happen? Is this gonna happen? And it it isn't really that film. <laughs> like, you know, like it does other things. It's beautiful and it's clever, but it it's not um it, it makes a oh, sorry it does make a point it's got a real like beautiful point but it's just not the action thing that i was thinking you know like where you think oh this is going to happen and then this is going to happen and then the twist here mm -hmm. and it it's not so much that it's like it's just kind of a celebration and mysterious and i ah, know it's cool man like and so it tells the it tells the history of this little town and this kind of uh this family that are a kind of member of kind of a religious sect that live their way and then they kind of and then how things change slowly all right cool all right. yeah I've, it has a strong reputation so i've been curious to see it i'm i'm glad to hear your endorsement yeah yeah no i enjoyed it i did um and it, yeah it, it kind of just comes together which is nice like it's a it, it, it pulls a lot of stuff together. <laughs> anyway. I, I had a similar experience. I also watched for the first time ever for me, Do the Right Thing. And I was loving that movie just the whole way. And, but kind of asking myself like, okay, but when does the thing happen? Or where, where does it turn? And then realizing, oh no, no, the thing already happened. Yeah. And then it comes together in the end in that incredible oh man what a, i really enjoyed that movie so i got room in my heart for like a tony you know kind of moody movie yeah. that gets you there at its own pace but when yeah there, so i was looking for the twist but the the kind of story didn't need a twist because you're kind of you're riding along going oh yeah this person oh and then this and then by the end it's kind of an an accumulation and you're like oh nice i could see the it kind of crescendos rather than 
twists, uh, which is, I don't know, yeah, I enjoyed it. You're describing good writing. Looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, I hope you like it. I'd like to hear if you, um, yeah, what you think of it. Right on. Um, all right, should we talk about Spectre? <laughs> should we? <laughs> all right, I mate. don't have many positive things to say about this movie. Yeah. Uh, I can go into I, I, about the negative things, but no, no, I, I can I can come in with some positive things because visually, even if it didn't make sense and was kind of weird, the opening scene in Mexico City was beautiful. Like the the camera moves, the 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 crowds, the the cuts. Like well, it's got uh, that one take until we're on the rooftop, right? That's right. Yeah. So they. There's a few sneaky joins in there, but you don't see them. Like it's a beautiful one take. Um, it uh, it just yeah. I think okay. Right, big picture of this film. I think it really could have worked if they'd been planning it from the start. So they talk about how the bad guy of this film has been behind everything doing everything since the start of the franchise mm -hmm. but it's very obvious that he hasn't been <laughs> and that they've written him in to do this because they thought of it in the last they're like oh what if what if this and then they just do it and it yeah it kind of it you can tell that he's just been thought of now and then added retrospectively into every film like you know it was all me. I think it's even worse than that. I think it's retconning a thing that already exists because Christopher Waltz plays Ernst, what is it, it doesn't matter. He's playing Blofeld, Blofeld. Yeah. This yeah. character exists within the Bond canon, the guy who has been pulling the strings already. So to introduce a new character that occupies the same role as a pre-existing character yeah for some reason and that's kind of my thing with the whole movie is like for some reason yeah yeah no i i think that they had uh, like so another note is so so i enjoy some visual things in this like i i was like that's cool that looks beautiful um the which things? Let's, let's talk about those. Okay. Car chase in Rome was beautiful to me. Um, the night chase? Yeah. I think it's an yeah. interesting idea. Um, I, I think it's an ugly looking chase, though. Uh, okay. I um, think it starts really beautiful when it's a foot chase going into the cars and kind of out of that mansion. That stuff's really interesting. And I like yeah. the the one time where we sort of change levels from the small streets and we take the top off of that other car and I'm, I'm yeah. sort of picked up a little bit but I didn't yeah the uh, problem I, that I have with that that chase scene speaks to a problem that I have with the I think the cinematography in this movie is effective um but it's hideous so that shot that scene is either blue lamps from their headlights or incandescent orange, right? Yeah. And that makes sense in that scene, but then every single other scene after that is either entirely desaturated or it's blue and orange, like we're watching a, 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 a Bruckheimer movie from the 2000s, yeah, yeah. you know? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. it looks no, I really- was gonna, 
I was going to bring that up that the grading gets really weird, especially in like um, the house up in Switzerland or wherever. <laughs> um, but basic, basically, my, my idea of the film is that they should have written it a long time ago and been planning it. And also, they needed to cut some of the bits that looked impressive, even though they looked impressive. Like, I think sometimes they were like, oh, this is, you know, you can't cut that because that's when we put the helicopter th through the thing. And you're like, yeah, but man, like, the story's dragging on. And it's and just real sort of like body blow of criticism because for me that's the only stuff that's interesting and I have the same reaction where even when a helicopter is blowing up I'm like again what are we doing here yeah it's like the second time you've got a plane doing and you're like yeah just have them roll out the first time and then do something else because yeah like they just because it was a spectacular thing they kept it in but they pushed out the length of the movie, but you didn't, you didn't feel like you were getting much more from the length. You're like, oh, I could have just, you could cut. No, I don't feel like I got anything from this movie, like length or <laughs> short, whatever the appropriate version of that phrase is. I don't know that there's a shorter, better movie in here. Okay, um, okay. So I did think that. I thought, I thought like, I mean, I don't know, because I, this is, I wasn't sure if this was the first time I'd ever seen this because it kind of leans on a lot of the previous films a lot. So yeah, um, I'm still not 100% sure because I couldn't remember whole bits of this film, but... Um, okay, so I felt now like that you the, have seen it, I want to challenge you to answer a question, which is, what is the plot of this movie? Um, well, I mean, yeah, like you you get that like the government is being manipulated into decommissioning the the bond universe right and uh and he's he's acting outside because they're like he doesn't think that everyone is trustworthy so he's gone off to do the boss lady's last job but they but you're right because all of that could be done a lot clearer, a lot smaller. Like, you know, you could just kind of, oh, I don't know how you do it, but you just, you very quickly cut him off from the, the institution and then have him doing this stuff completely cut off. But they keep bringing him back in and doing like weird blood injection things. And he's kind of there, but I was like, oh, yeah. It'd be cooler if he was just cut off and they're trying to get him and the bad guys are trying to get him. And, and then it turns out that he's actually been fighting for the, you know, you should be about quarter of the way through the film before you even realize that he's fighting for the good side. Like right. you kind of, you should, have, you should have come into this film thinking he'd gone renegade because his, his mum had died. And they and, try and sell us on that, right? After the Mexico City sequence, we come back uh, to headquarters and he's getting his tracker and then there's a little bit of exposition about how the reason that that mission was so sloppy is because Bond has to know who he can trust because he's got an inkling that this is going on already it's yeah, really but it, it's, it's not even heavy it's muddy the way that that yeah. exposition comes out and it, it points to what I think is the central flaw of this movie is that the movie keeps asking questions of the audience that the audience 
doesn't care about the answer to. And by demanding that you think about it, the movie just totally falls apart. So I, I hate to watch a movie for nitpicks, but like why on earth is that Mexico City sequence at all? It, there's no reason that they have to come from the street up to a hotel room that they've already rented that they know is across the street from the place that yeah. is their target. Why are we walking through the streets here? That's just- was, No, I'm, so I, this was my, um, this was one of my things I was gonna get to was I consider that very beautiful. I consider it nonsensical. And he leaves the girl in the hotel room and then he technically drops a building onto her building, but no one talks that about That seems like a surprise to him. Daniel Craig plays that as though like, oh, I wasn't expecting that to explode. I yep. gotta get the fuck out of here now. And yep. then in the next scene, we're made to believe that he was expecting this to go really wrong. He wanted to draw attention. That's why he did the stupid things in the helicopter. But then oh, why really? is he surprised about I've it missed, in the first scene? I missed that. I basically thought the helicopter scene was about four times too long and four times too stupid. But yeah. um, but but there are beautiful bits in it. And like I was just like, oh, it's like they they got excited and they just left everything in and the whole thing felt kind of dumb. And I was like, if you'd kind of, you know, refined it or or had drawing or like storyboards for a while and just worked out, oh wait, that doesn't make any sense. Cause then he's like, why is he going up to the hotel room secretly when it's his hotel room? Right. And then his girlfriend doesn't know what he's up to, but like, so why is she there? <laughs> like, why did he bring them? Like, you know, why did he bring fine, with him? That, like, honestly, just pick a lane because that's good bomb stuff. You know, he's got the bombshell, he's doing flashy stuff. They, MI6 kind of doesn't like his tactics, but he gets the job done. That can all like work. The lethal the problem weapon. is undercutting it in ex pointless exposition, which this movie does over and over and over again. I'm not going to sit here and call out the, the numerous instances of it, but it's egregious. And Yeah, but do you know what I mean? Like if, if that scene had happened a bit more refined and then he doesn't go back to MI6, they you see some scenes on them where they're like whoa what the hell this is our guy what's going on and That's then better. it cuts to him then it cuts to him in rome unrelated you know like mm -hmm. and then you've kind of got two stories going separate and you're like bond's going fucking on a rampage being crazy and you don't you don't get to see why he's doing that till like way into the film and then he starts bringing people into his story which you bring in the crowd with him you know the audience yeah it'd be like Hey, this is why. And then you're like, oh fuck, so he's he thinks that the whole thing's been undermined. And then they reveal that the government's about to close their whole system. And then, you know, like I think you could have built the story and it yeah, but I would have edited it down to like an an hour and a bit. Like I think it was way better. My only concern is, and it's been a while, a long time since I've seen it, but isn't that kind of how Skyfall operates? Doesn't Bond have to stay on the outside for a long time oh, uh, is because it, he's is trying that... to protect Judy Dench? Okay, maybe, maybe. Like, basically, I just kind of, watching this film, I was thinking, oh, that's close to being great, but close, like, but not, and it's, it feels dumb because they put, it's like they're saying the same sentence three times every time, like, they just, every every scene there 
they're there like are reiterating multiple scenes, especially on the back end of the movie that are just straight up double beats where yeah. we dramatically do one thing and then we cut to a new scene and we do the exact same thing yeah. and where it's worst is um with ray fines and you know weasley government man at the end where their dialogue if you read it out is it's redundant dialogue it's not even uh, dramatically redundant it's the words have been repeated you literally just said that sentence two yeah. sentences ago are you guys not listening to each other yeah 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 uh, yeah 100% I, I I very much didn't enjoy that side of it. <laughs> um, the whole building blowing up at the end as a symbolism thing like okay but I just I just found it obvious to let you know I, I don't know like I wasn't excited about so even though he's in a speedboat jumping out of the building you know uh I wasn't excited and it's a big building and it's cool and like you know <laughs> James Bond loves explosions and I still was like uh <laughs> like, yeah the whole and, way yeah but uh, I do I did so in contrary to you I did feel like uh like there is a movie somewhere there that's quite cool. Um, I, I enjoyed the female lead, um, the, the daughter, in, in ways because she was quite a cold, scary person underneath. A, so she's kind of like pleasant and, you know, like going about her life. But there's coldness and scariness as well. I was like, that's quite cool for, for her, him to end up with her and then just not be Bond anymore. Like, I thought that would be... So at the at the end of the film, I was like, yeah. "Man, that'd be cool if he just yeah. stops being Bond and just next Bond I mean, shows up." Yeah, thematically that would have been a success, but you can't leave it on that note, right? I mean, just well, because the movie's such garbage, I, I think if I was Daniel Craig, I'd want one more shot at it. Um, I want to talk about her a little bit because she's a another place where I think this movie has major, major problems. And she's oh. really, really good. Leah Seydoux, right? I thought she was great, yeah. Yeah, I think she's incredible in this movie, but she's literally asleep for a half hour. <laughs> what the fuck are we doing here? Why is that? What? Anyways, um, moving swiftly beyond that criticism and into Sam Mendes, who gets a lot of love for his blocking and staging. And I guess... Um, no, I'm not going to give him credit for it. She is taller than Daniel Craig. And in every shot, Daniel Craig is on a box or he's uphill or she's six feet behind him. So oh, that really? they can, every fucking shot, man. And it's really distracting because they're supposed to be having an intimate conversation. Why are they so far apart? Oh, right. Because Daniel Craig needs to be taller than the woman in this movie. I hate it. I, you know, why, why does he need to be? Cause, uh, cause it's a Hollywood thing. That's the only answer I can give for you is that the, the action star needs to be taller, but the action star doesn't have to, he's not like James Bond isn't the six foot six. Like he's not the, whatever the other guy, sorry, uh, Dave Batista. He's not that guy. So he doesn't have to be taller. No, he, he just has to look, doesn't. he just has to look cool. Like, 
he could be cool next to an incredibly gorgeous tall woman like <laughs> i do it every day folks yeah, exactly um, i can see why this hurts you <laughs> yeah well it, it hurts me i mean yeah I'll, I'll take that for sure but it, it again it points back to the the thing of this movie where i most decisions are bad and yeah. they betray the weakness of the filmmaking if you had allowed her to be taller, I wouldn't be distracted by her height. I'm distracted by her height because you won't let her be tall. I'm asking questions of this plot because you constantly have characters asking questions of this plot. And at no point are there answers for it. No. Uh, no, there, I, there is a big gap in answers and there's a lot of there's a lot of like going back to my point there's a lot of things that they made beautiful or interesting looking for the sake of it like there's a whole scene inside a crater in northern africa right. but the meteorite and the crater have nothing to do with anything <laughs> and it's not like it's not like oh this is where it's all been happening it's just like oh this is our place we like to hang out like they never <laughs> they never say like this is the central place where we've been driving the the you know the tentacles right. running the government they just go oh it's a cool spot we've got a cool like crater there look, now. look at the meteorite and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like why the fuck you know like you either write it in or you write it out you don't have it like halfway, like where you're just like in a cool crater thing. Like I just, I want this, I want it in the story or I want it gone. <laughs> right, or be confident in being a movie that is just at the yeah. cool crater position because James Bond can do that. We can just yeah, go can. to the, the volcano island. That's, that's right. fine, but yeah. stop asking me why we're here then because that's not what we're doing yeah 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 i think you're right like they're, they're trying to i think that's it I'm, I'm trying to bridge between two completely like at odds movies like one big action film james bond you know like um golden eye just right. you know big action stuff happens there's a there's like a, a runway at the top of a dam and you don't ask the question why is the runway at the top of the dam or you know like you just you just enjoy the ride and you do some base jumping you know like exactly yeah. and then you meet your contact at a uh, graveyard for soviet era statues why <laughs> because it's fucking cool looking good enough yeah that's right because the starbucks wasn't <laughs> um all right i will say some good things about this movie um, and specifically with our man Hoyta, I think he's really good at scale. I think he captures action at scale, which is a really difficult thing to do. And so some of the, the wider scope stuff when we're on the mountain, when we're in the desert is really beautiful and really kinetic and, and it works a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, the, the distant lens. Like I like that you, you, you know when you're looking at a distance like literally out at the distance of a of a of a landscape and you kind of squint to just look oh what's that in the distance? is there a boat or you know i like that he's not afraid to do that sometimes where i'm watching the scene and there's like something like oh i think yeah i think i see the train you know like <laughs> i i enjoy that kind of stuff i like the the little hints of movement to just kind of draw your eye in i think it was a car that was coming to pick them up but 
they kind of sat on it for a little while so you can look at the beautiful desert and then just see a little bit of movement i liked that like yeah yeah and conversely when we are in a small vehicle toward like the end of the movie which is you know ugly in terms of color timing but the scale like i said i think really works so we're on this small boat watching this giant building explode and i never feel lost in either of those scales i think that i i'm at home you know i know where i am that's cool um what yeah. else oh how about ben wishaw in the show. Oh, right. Cute. He's the new, what is it? Uh, cute? No, not cute. Um, no, yeah. cute, right? Quartermaster. Yeah, he's yeah, cute. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I Ben Wishaw is my favorite timid British man. <laughs> and I'm, in, no, just kidding. Um, I think he's pretty good here. I think the performances are mostly pretty good. Um, and then the last thing, I, I'm, it's not praise of this movie, but I do kind of want to give it credit for what it's trying to do because a lot of what falls as double beats here I think is a failing of building a uh, palindrome script if you plot out the action set pieces from beginning to end they mirror each other that's why Dave Bautista's car gets caught on fire uh, right before the midpoint and then right after the midpoint Dave Bautista himself gets set on fire and the helicopter that starts the thing is the same as the helicopter that ends the thing. So the set pieces work in this sort of echoing, mm, but- I don't think it paid off. It doesn't pay off because they do, they, it's not tidy enough. It's not actually a palindrome and the back end is really loaded with double beats. So where the front is not clean, but it's, doing something this the they bail on the script structure and i think that's the biggest problem here is that they were punching above their weight in trying to make this really it's a challenging structure to work with to begin with and it doesn't belong in this kind of movie and i would argue that it's challenge aside it's anti-cinematic most narratives that we find satisfying are like it or love it variations on the hero's journey or the healing cycle but we're looking at a straight trajectory or a closed loop and that's mm -hmm. kind of how humans respond to storytelling it's not the only thing palindromes can work and leave us feeling like oh have i begun this thing or have i finished this thing oh, yeah but you need to really strongly be asking that question and this movie is not asking that question no yeah. Oh, right. No, I didn't even, man, I, I, I'm slow on that one. I didn't even notice the, the, the visual cues for that. Like, I just thought, why are they doing that again? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, like I, I said, I'm trying to give it credit for trying that, but to even a carefully um, a, a focused audience, that stuff's going to get lost because they didn't do it right. You know, they just, they failed at it. Yeah, so I have yeah, I did feel like uh, if they if they made like a previs version of this film and they saw it all together and then they fixed it from there. Like I feel like there was a movie there. Like, but now that you're with the palindrome thing, maybe they were just trying to do something and they missed it. But I I felt like 
uh, and maybe I should watch Skyfall again to see if I'm just remaking Skyfall, but thinking I'm making. <laughs> but but I feel like we should be just assuming that he's gone crazy. Like, I I feel like, you know, M, you know, he's the orphan child, uh, hitman. Like, basically, I kind of wanted the M thing to mean something. You know, like his uh, his yeah. I wanted I wanted her dying to kind of look at least look like it messes them up. So then I'm like, oh, what's going on? And but it, you kind of they kind of just softly do it like you know like a limp wristed version of it where, and then they just move on and you're like, oh, it could have been. Yeah, it really undercuts that that drama, which is the reason that I think Skyfall is successful. Like I said, it's been a while since I've seen it, but my memory is feeling like I, I really liked it because it's nothing like a James Bond movie. And if you're going to break the format that much, you have a responsibility to be good at storytelling. And this movie is not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It really isn't. So it really misses a lot. And so like right to the, the core of it, I mean, so I so Franz Oberhauser, you said he was Blowfield. It's like that's a that's a character that that's in the movies, is he? Sorry, I might have missed yeah. it. Yeah. Um I I didn't believe for a second that he was pulling the strings at any moment of any of the previous films. Like just just purely from watching this film as a film they go i'm the guy who's been doing it all i i it, it didn't it, not a single thing that they did made me believe that like um i i believed that they were an evil organization but i just like i felt like they were shoehorned in like or they should have planned ahead and had more look like more things to key into in the previous films where you that's it they don't need to plan ahead they need to surrender their ego the stuff that they're trying to do has already been done you don't need to reinvent the wheel here just put new tires on this motherfucker it's yeah. fine you know the structure exists within this series why rename the characters why make it worse when you're doing it because it, it felt very shoehorned in and maybe that's the thing like putting a new character into the 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 hollow, the void of the real character. You just, I don't know, you just end up, I end up just not believing he was the character and going, all right. And then, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then he's of no consequence. You know, if you yeah. bring in a super villain that has supposedly been here for 25 films, maybe keep him around for one more movie. Yeah. Or I don't know, Thanos <laughs> lasted for 20 fucking films yeah but but also this guy doesn't really do anything his henchmen do a few things but i mean he does this weird torture thing with the drill but you're like a henchman could have done that like i need to know how you're impressive like how are you the impressive mastermind yeah and there was no impressive masterminderiness there's no moment where you go oh wow you were three steps ahead like there's no moment where i go oh they got me they they knew all along like yeah. because even when they showed you the footage of the video of him so basically he's in that shed in switzerland or whatever and he's talking to the guy secretly and there's a camera watching and then it turns out that they watched the camera 
Right. They didn't use that information to do anything clever. They just showed that they had the footage and you're like, okay, well, what have you done? Yeah, like you haven't done anything with that. So there's nothing, <laughs> you just like, literally every plot point that we are talking about ends with us going, so why though? What's the... But they, but it could have, right? Because you could have had this mastermind and then like you get to a point in the movie where you think you're ahead of the game and then it unravels and it's like, oh, they they knew what was happening and they've just set you up again or, you know, like something and you, you go, wow, what an amazing and like scary organization to be up against. I mean, this wait, is not wait. the same thing, but a movie recently that did a similar thing a lot better is Knives Out, where it's like, no, 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 we're going to show you the answer, and then we're going to get to the middle of the movie, and we're going to show you even more of the answer, and then we're going to get to the end of the movie, and you realize you didn't realize that you already knew the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Same guy. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, what else? Uh, do you want to talk a little bit of Mendes? Are you a Sam Mendes fan? Uh, yeah, I mean, let me just double check. I think I am. I think, oh, yeah, right. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I do. Um, 1917 was uh beautiful to me. Did you uh watch that one? Did you watch yeah, it? Yeah, I was, I was fortunate to see it in the theater. Yeah, same. Yeah, it was one of the last things I've seen in the theater. Um, but it was uh, spectacular. Like, obviously, there are the, the one take thing. There are times where chronologically you're like, I don't know where I am, or I don't know how these two things are so close together. But ultimately, uh, most of the film works perfectly. And I think. I think we that, talked about this, right? And my we must answer have, yeah. was that I think the blackout and the truck both give us a little cover for okay. squishing that timeline. And I'll, I'll give them pass for that. Yeah. I had a similar, not a similar feeling, but there's a, I really like 1917. Yeah. I, yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. it but feels... at the end of the movie, the first question that, that popped in my brain was like, but why did he make this? Like, what, what does this mean to him, Sam Mendes? And it closes mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, a little note to, I think his grandfather died in World War One, and sort of okay. here's to all the other fallen soldiers. But it, yeah. it didn't feel like, I didn't feel like there was a filmmaker engaged in storytelling. I felt like there was a filmmaker engaged in filmmaking. And as filmmaking, oh. it's one of the best ever. As storytelling, there's almost nothing there. Right, yeah. And I mean, so my wonder the, is, and that, so I went back and looked at Sam Mendes' um, filmography, and he mostly does adaptations. That's it. the only original script he has at the top of his career is American Beauty by Alan Ball. The rest mm. of them are adaptations from novels, and you know, this is an adaptation from a novel. And 1917 then is the last original, the only original script that he's written, yeah. I, I think he's a fine director, but not a great storyteller. If unless there's a really solid story for him to chew into, yeah, you might have a problem on your hands. You know? Okay. Okay. I, I mean, I'm just looking at the list. Yeah, and um, yeah, you're right. A lot of adaptations. Uh, so American Beauty 
was written by who? Sorry. I think the name is Alan, is it Alan Ball? Yeah, Alan Ball, who also wrote like True Blood and um, what else? A couple of movies I haven't heard of. Yeah. I mean, that was a good, that was a good, that, that was very well written to me, I think. Um, yeah, I'm actually a defender of American Beauty. I know it's sort of fallen out of favor as of late um, for being a little... I don't know, navel-gazy or, or hollow, or maybe it has its sympathies in the wrong places, according to some people. But I, I think it depicts a, a certain toxicity in America that definitely exists. So yeah, I don't no, know why I took, we're... I mean, I, I think the, the navel-gazing note that you make there is kind of like part of the point like everyone's yeah. kind of wound up in their own fucking bullshit and you're like most of this doesn't fucking matter and the bits that do matter no one cares about like you know everyone's <laughs> you know people are, are like in real trouble and everyone's like oh i think i'm you know blah, blah, blah. and you're like oh god yeah it's like yes. yeah i like american beauty I, I enjoyed it yeah um 1917 God, I mean, yeah, I guess, because like the journey feels amazing and you're there and it feels like, you know, the the gross bits are truly gross and, mm -hmm. the, you know, the scary bits and the, the frantic bits, you know, like you just, you feel all those moments, like when things start going out of hand and you lose control, I, I you know, I, I enjoyed that they kind of got that across in the film, like the film couldn't even keep up with what's going on and then bam, one of the characters is dead and you're like, whoa, I didn't even, I was, I was just catching my breath. Give me a second. I don't know what's going on. Like, that's, that's cool yeah. filmmaking. It's um, but you're right. Like, the, they get, yeah, they get there at the end though and stop the push though, don't they? Like the story. Just, just barely. Yeah. The one, the one guy makes it, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause that was, and then that he, was the journey. That was the, the story, right? Yeah, and again, I'm fine with simple storytelling. You know, I just I didn't find a um, an emotionally resonant story in there. Oh, I mean, I I, like I, that. I really liked the movie a lot. I'm not trying to take anything away from it. No, yeah, just basically, I liked how sometimes like war boils things down to like just get to there. And the whole thing is just get to there, you know, like the hamburger hill kind of thing, you know, like where they just need to get somewhere. And that's the whole fucking premise of the film. And then everything kind of wraps around that. So I don't mind the whole just stop the call because they're ready for it. I don't and mind then, that either. No, like I said, I'm yeah. a fan of it, but you know, since you brought up Hamburger Hill, which is a movie that I have not seen in a long time, at the core of that story, the emotional resonance there is brotherhood. It's really yeah. about what these gentlemen are willing to do for each other in these moments. And I, yeah. I couldn't find a, a theme in 1917 to like, why, why do we care? Okay. I care, I, I'm in this thing, but you know, what's the why here? And I just don't okay. know if there is one. Yeah, because the the friend and then doing the because basically the the friend who dies, it's his brother who's in the line, right? So the one I who's, that's right, yeah. So the one who's going on with the mission is kind of like 
obviously he wants to do the mission but he especially wants to because his friend died and his brother is the only living member of his family or whatever you know like it's it's like so it kind of was that you know like yeah brothers you know like okay that's what i you know it was just uh regardless of how what i have to do i'm going to get there because uh for my friend who what i can draw out of that for me is like that sometimes it is a small thing that keeps you surviving you know and the world even if you're not at war is a a brutal place and if you have something to hold on to if you have a little light that's motivating you you can get through an awful lot yeah so maybe that's a, a point to be made for 1917 Hey, we talked about 1917 instead of Spectre. <laughs> no, talk about James Bond a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So it's got some ideas that have definitely dated a lot, haven't they? Um, <laughs> uh, like they even comment in this movie, but still kind of do it. And you're like, you're commenting, but you're also doing it. And yeah, like, but it's all yeah. good. Like, I think it's, I think it's more indicative of where it's headed, which will be less that i think they'll just be like you know what we'll leave that to the 80s which was cool for the 80s and now we just do something new like i hope that they start having fun again yeah i i don't think i really enjoy much of the daniel craig bond arc i you know have yeah that's i was gonna say i remember liking casino royale you know, I love Mads Mikkelsen and the like the, the bloody yeah. tear is such an iconic shot yeah. and scene, um, you know, but that has a little more Bondy stuff. We're like, we're in casinos playing poker and being pithy. Yeah. So there's a little more fun to be had there. It's so dour past there. They're just like dark mm. and boring and long. And most of the Bond films are long. I don't think there's any one of them that comes in under two hours. Most of them are two to two and a half hours but yeah well, i mean yeah i'm i'm with you so basically i really think i enjoyed casino royale uh quantum of solace was unwatchable to the point where i may not have seen the whole film like that's the one with javier bardem right i don't even know like honestly i just i really enjoyed casino royale so i was really looking forward to the next one and i may not have even watched the whole thing because i'm re- like i was like Oh, this is not, I'm not enjoying um, most of this film. Uh, let's see. I don't think it's Javier. That might be the next one. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Skyfall. Yeah, Skyfall is Javier, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I yeah. What was so Quantum, Quantum- Solace? This movie happened, huh? I think Yeah, I- exactly. I, I, I didn't see it most people like god it was just boring and like yeah so well that leads me to a point that a theory that i have which is because somebody this is a few months ago but somebody made an outrageous internet claim that oh it's too bad that pierce brosnan was not in even one good james bond movie and i was quick to defend Goldeneye. I think Goldeneye is maybe, for me, it is the best James That's Bond movie. Right. Yeah. But even if you're, it's not your, it's my favorite, but even if you're not of that ilk, 
I think there's a real strong argument for it being literally the best because of where it comes at the history of the series, what it's doing in terms of being a Roger Moore holdover, what it yeah. means to get Pierce Brosnan into the series. You know, he was supposed to be Bond 10 years before he was Bond and they couldn't work out the contract rights because he was in a Bond ripoff TV show called Remington Steel. <laughs> and they wouldn't let him out of his Bond ripoff show to go be actual Bond. So <laughs> then when the opportunity came up 10 years later, they were still like, you know what? He's our Bond. Yeah. And because it's a holdover from the Roger Moore era, it's got a lot of like silliness. And I like the silliness. I'm into having fun with James Bond because it's inherently oh, yeah. fucking stupid. So I'm just looking at it, and Martin Campbell is the director of both of the films that I enjoy in so the last I... 10. So GoldenEye and Casino Royale are the two, two James Bond films that I thoroughly enjoy. They're different films, but they are both very enjoyable, and, and they work. And um, yeah, Martin, Martin Campbell. So he's a, he's a Kiwi too. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to let you say that. Yeah. Um, I, you know what? I actually have a soft spot for vertical limit in terms of just kind of bad, dumb action. And you know what? I don't, wait, no, no. Was Green Lantern the, oh, the Ryan Reynolds one? What's the one with Seth Rogen? Green Hornet. That movie's not as bad as some people say it is. That was the Bruce Lee style, like, you know, the, um, the old, um, Cato. That's right. Yeah, right. I did. I don't know if I saw it or I can't remember it. But but back to Martin Campbell. I also am a fan of Mask of Zorro. Yeah, I was going to say, like looking at the list, I was like, man, actually, Mask of Zorro. I think I remember really enjoying the like the adventure and the action, and it's what I like. The Lone Ranger. It's kind of why I didn't watch that film because I was like, oh, I just don't want to see Johnny Depp hemming up. I could just go watch Mask of Zorro. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Do a double feature next time. All right. Okay. Well, no, you've sold me to give it a go because I don't think I ever gave it a go. Like I just, I was tired and, and it came at the wrong time for me. Yeah, fair. So, also, just to finish Martin Campbell, The Foreigner from 2017 is not a bad movie. Not a great movie, but, you know, pretty watchable thriller. Um, and it's interesting to see Jackie Chan as like a sort of... Re retiring sort of quiet guy yeah instead of you know <laughs> going balls to the wall from scene one he really yeah. has to get pushed in that movie to make it happen oh that's cool oh watch it yeah um, it's, it's worth a view so martin campbell the best james bond director director yeah, well, best for james me, bond movie so like I honestly like looking at the list of James Bonds I mean there are moments where you go wow that was kind of cool and fun and they put like an underwater car in it <laughs> um but yeah I think my favorite ones are uh, Casino Royale and Goldeneye like so I just wanted that I realized I went off on a rant without finishing my point which is that I think every James Bond actor has one good James Bond movie. <laughs> yeah. Pierce Brosnan is in one good James Bond movie. Daniel Craig is in one good James Bond movie. Roger Moore is in one good James Bond movie. Which is your Roger Moore? Because I'd have to look at the list now. Let's 
try and find it out. The only exception to this rule is that I think Sean Connery is probably in two, maybe three good James Bond movies. Is that Goldfinger and Thunderball? Uh, it's definitely Goldfinger. I actually kind of like Dr. No a lot too. Okay, I might have to see that one again. Let's see. Oh, View to a Kill fucking rules. Yeah. Okay. Um, what what mis- <laughs> license, to of living um, license to Kill or Living Daylights? Living Daylights. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah cool, sure. man. Uh, well, yeah, it wasn't a super enjoyable film. There were a lot of things where I got tired, <laughs> but uh, and it was long. But it but to the point where the last film we just watched, which was long, didn't feel long. No. Uh, Interstellar. No, right? Interstellar. I, you know what? I'm glad you brought it up because I feel like I was a little too hard on Interstellar. It really is an enjoyable movie, and yeah. I was thinking about. Christopher Nolan more and you know similar criticism to what we're saying about James Bond where it's like give me set pieces just like stop telling me that it makes sense because sometimes it does and sometimes you're inside your own head on that logic let's just let the dream unfold man that's fine yeah yeah uh yeah, I think we talked about it last time, but yeah, just kind of pull back some of the the information, keep yeah, it, yeah, keep exactly. it to yourself, and and we're good, we're good. And um, so same yeah, here, so, just pull back but, the information. But that, uh, but Interstellar was long, but I didn't feel it. I w- I watched the whole thing. I was like, I was in there. This one was much shorter than that one, but it felt <laughs> longer. This and it feels five hours long. Yeah. And, and I can say that half. with some authority because I recently sat through the Snyder Cut and this oh, movie is longer than the Snyder Cut. Have you watched it? Yeah, I have. Uh, I haven't yet, but um, would, would you recommend watching it? Um, I, I, well, I guess short answer is no. Okay. Um, like if you're way into the stuff or maybe <laughs> as a you know, a filmmaker, you might find something out of it, but it's like, it's so much better than Josh, Joss Whedon's cut. And it is still just not very good. You know, it's like, okay, this is a recognizable as a cohesive story. And there are some really interesting set pieces and there is some cool action. At times it looks okay, but the only color similar to a lot of what this movie has going on the only color in that movie is gold it's black and white and gold and whatever i'm not gonna rip on it it's not that good it's way way better and it's just not that good yeah 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 so um uh all of those films sorry i i know we're tangenting by tangenting but um the uh those dc is it like dceu the one that they didn't want to make, Wonder Woman, is by far the most successful one. <laughs> so they were like, oh, we can't make a Wonder Woman film. And then they finally did it. And it's the only one that kind of works for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, mostly. The end of the film was kind of, oh, sorry, Wonder Woman 1. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the boss fight at the end didn't make much sense to me or 
was boring but the rest of the film was kind of cool um yeah it's a lot of but, like robots from the sky at the end of wonder woman isn't it yeah i think so yeah but the uh yeah the other ones in the dc ones i just i've never gotten into like no, the time. only one that I really think is any good at all is um, Birds of Prey. Is a ah, I haven't seen it because uh, just like just like Quantum of Solace, uh, the other one with Suicide Squad, yeah, unwatchable garbage like, movie, yeah. But it, but I'm I'm good at what like as you've probably found from talking with me about movies, I'm very forgiving and very like. <laughs> And I and I go like, oh, they probably meant this, and then I just move on. Like I'll I'll go, oh, that didn't make much sense, but I'll fix it for them and just move on with the film. Suicide Squad, I I've, I've seen like like quarter or twenty minutes, or I don't even know. Like I honestly just was bored, and they were introducing people, but poorly, so I didn't care. And then people would go away, and you're like, I don't even care. Like. <laughs> Well, the short story on that is that they gave the movie to tra- I think it was literally Trailer House, but they gave it to a trailer company to cut. Uh-huh. So it wasn't edited by a film editor. It was edited by the senior VP of marketing at whoever the fuck got a hold of it. Yeah, the entire thing because I couldn't attach to anything. I couldn't look at any. Like everything was. I was so bored and like I don't even know what's going on and I and all the characters don't make any sense and I was just like oh I'm over James Gunn got hired to redo Suicide Squad so they're this year I believe James Gunn's Suicide Squad comes out and they're just going to act like the first one didn't happen here sorry guys let's try this again and I really like Guardians of the Galaxy guy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and cool. I, I'm a fan of his movies. Have you ever seen yeah. Slither? Yeah. Right yeah. on. Yeah. That's the bug. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. bug one. Yeah. The worm thing. The worm thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and cool. I really, I also was, Brightburn was his this past year also, wasn't it? Is that the, the, the orcs? Wait. No, that's the superhero, evil superhero thing, right? Um, yeah, it's like a kid who is, becomes a superhero and it goes a little dark. Uh, I, I guess he didn't, he didn't direct like it. it, he uh, produced it though, and his brothers wrote it. Okay. Anyways. Did you like it? I, I liked it enough. I, you know, it it's, brings up some interesting questions and some big ideas and then bails out on them a little bit to wrap it up in a 90 minute kind of action thriller way so you know a soft recommend three stars though it's a it's a solid flip yeah okay uh okay so that's vector oh wait super wait the movie super is this the one where the guy is thinking he's got superpowers but he doesn't actually yeah with rain wilson is that the one yeah and he like oh i can't remember if i but based uh i might be either joining two films or this was the film that i'm talking about but he like 
Yeah. I think he has there, like a major one, break. And the, there was a Nick Cage one that came out right around the same time um, called like, I don't know, Action Guy or some shit like that. Uh, okay. I like this one a lot more. Okay. Okay, yeah, cool. it was pretty good. Oh no, this is the one because it's got Linda Catalini in it, and I—that's right. Uh, I've had a, a been in love with her since Freaks and Geeks. <laughs> I like she's one of those actors that I she's on the list of just like oh anything yeah Linda Carlini's in this let's put it on yeah yeah exactly no, I mean not in love yeah just as soon as I see her in something I'm like I probably love this it's yeah, we're be all in love with Linda Cardellini James you don't have to be shy about that she's lovely <laughs> okay. um also yeah, cool. Scooby-Doo is uh the my heart song man she's she's my Velma yeah <laughs> that's great Scooby-Doo yeah. 